Welcome to the Collision Podcast by Mitchell. Welcome back, everybody, to the Mitchell Collision Podcast. This is a really special episode for for me personally. This is the first one we're actually going to get to record in person. So I am really excited to welcome Jeff Wildman, who's the manager of OEM and industry relations for BASF North America. And we're both here at CIC in Oklahoma City. So this is the first podcast where I actually get to sit across the table from somebody. And it's just it's really refreshing. It's really exciting. So welcome, Jeff. How are you doing today? Doing great. It's uh, it's it's great to see you, and um, you know, I saw, got to see you last time at CIC in Arizona. And that's where we kind of started talking about this this uh, idea f- to get together on a podcast, and I'm really glad that it worked out because I think right now there's just a ton of changes happening in the refinish industry, and every time I talk to you, I learn something new about about the paint industry. So I'm really excited to share some of this information with our listeners. Uh, maybe before we get started, just kind of give us a little bit of an idea of what you do at BASF and a little bit about your background. Okay. No, uh, I manage the OEM and industry relations. So what that means is I work with the manufacturers on anything tied to the collision side of the business and and really with paint. So if they're looking to get paint products approved for, for different manufacturers, if they're looking for repair procedures around the paint process, uh, working with them on their OEM certification programs, maybe helping them find shops or, or helping shops understand what what it is that the OEMs are looking for, but kind of bringing that all together. And I talk a lot about repair procedures. Definitely. That's, that's been a huge topic and, and, and really, like you said, a lot of things going on with paint that we'll get into that tie into the repair procedures. But then I also represent BSF with all the other industry influencers. So, so working with people like you at Mitchell or, or here at CIC, but, but any, any organization that's tied to the collision industry, just to make sure that BSF understands really what's happening in the industry, the direction of the industry, and that our team and our products and, and the things that we do relate to where the industry's heading, not to the way we've done it forever. And, and I think you really hit the nail on the head with, with that description. You know, I, and I think again, in the past, we've thought about refinish as just you know basically the coating on the vehicle and it's very cosmetic from talking to you recently. And I know we'll get into this. It sounds like that's really changing a lot. And I would never have thought, you know, when I was managing a collision shop that I'd be looking at repair procedures as it relates to paint. Right. So I think that, I think there's a ton of content around there, but before we dive into some of those technology trends, I think a lot of people that I talk to and a lot of folks in the industry, especially coming from the insurance carrier side are thinking about, inflation and the thinking about the supply chain crisis that everyone's right. going through right now. And now admittedly, I know you're not directly working in the supply chain portion of BASF, but maybe just give an idea of kind of how BASF has been impacted, how the paint industry in general has been impacted by some of these supply chain challenges that we've been facing. I mean, it's really been just like everyone else, you know, trying to get to move product from point A to point B and you know, I, we, we've had some discussions with our supply chain to understand what's happening. Uh, we've done a lot of things to increase our inventory. So we've got more inventory in North America today than we ever had before. Wow. So that we, we can supply the shops because we manufacture products here. We manufacture products in other parts of the world. And some of the surprising things to me were just what happens, what's happened over the past two years with COVID and a lockdown in another part of the world, how does that impact us here? 
and and really what what I learned was there are containers there. There are containers of product there. They're supposed to be coming to the U.S. Well, if they're in lockdown, those containers sit there. And it's not just the product that's in that container, but that container was supposed to come here. We were going to put something else in it and ship it somewhere else. So now we've got stuff that we can't move. Um, and and again, it's it's understanding that and it, there's a, there's a whole lot more to it than what I'm saying. Sure, this is real high level, but um, I've learned a lot about it. And, and like I said, we've done a lot of things to increase inventory um, because we are a manufacturer of a lot of the ingredients that go into paint. We're a little bit lucky there. You know, BSF supplies pigments to all the paint companies. Sure. So at, at least we're manufacturing a pigment in a plant. We manufacture paint in that plant. It doesn't have to go very far. Exactly. And that was interesting. You know, we were on a call with, you know, your head of supply chain just right. a few weeks ago. And it was interesting hearing about how dynamic the system is. And that came as a surprise to me that the strategy is constantly being adjusted to maximize the efficiency and to minimize really the cost of that process. And, you know, that might mean going to a, an onshore supplier as opposed to an offshore supplier in any given moment. Right. And and those are the things that that we don't see. And, and like I said, when we when we talked to to the supply chain manager, you know, it was eye opening the things that she was telling us about how how fluid this has to be. And we've been lucky because we haven't really had any stockouts. You know, we may have run out of a reducer or something minor, but nothing major. And and I know not everybody could say that. Um, and and we and when you think about it, it's not just paint, but it explains a lot what's happening with parts and with microchips and and everything else. And we've also seen some of that with the, the paint mixing equipment, where someone may want a mixing system and we can't get it because we can't get the piece of equipment to mix it on. Right. And it goes back to just like the parts and and the steel and and all those other pieces that are tied to it. It definitely seems like this is all kind of pieces to the same puzzle, right. just in different different orders and everything's kind of jumbled up right now so it can be it can be a, it's more like a thousand piece puzzle as opposed to a hundred piece puzzle right. right now it seems like so the, so you know that is certainly a challenge that i think is facing all the different stakeholders in the industry to one regard or another the other thing is certainly the technology of vehicles right. and you know we've seen obviously it's no no surprise that adas is becoming ubiquitous just completely throughout every segment of vehicle you know the most right. basic vehicles have highly optioned ADAS packages now. So what what role, you know, again, I kind of mentioned we've always thought of paint as really just a cosmetic item on the vehicle. How is how is that changing? How is that evolving with the presence of all this technology? Paint's becoming a functional or safety part of the vehicle now. And a lot of it goes back to ADAS and, and the connected vehicle. And as we get to to electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles, because you start to think about the technology. And right now the big thing is radar. And and you've all seen probably, you know, position statements from from different manufacturers. You can't put more than X amount of paint on a bumper and everybody's a little bit different. And this is one of the projects I've worked on BSF for about two years now because we've been learning more about it, too. But when you talk about radar, that radar has to send its transmission through that bumper cover. Not all bumper covers are the same. So you've got the, the material that's going through in the bumper and then it goes through the paint. It goes out to hit an object and bounces back. And that, that radar receives it then to tell, tell the, the vehicle there's something back there. One of the things that we've learned about is, is a term called permittivity. 
And what that permittivity is, is the transmission or how transmissible that radar signal is mm -hmm. through a substrate. So you have a permittivity of the bumper and of the paint. And as we've learned more about the paint, it really comes into the base coat and it ties in more to the metallics. And we're learning that some metallics interfere with the transmission more than other metallics. Interesting. So we've been working with the vehicle manufacturers, the radar manufacturers to understand how do you test that? How do you determine what the permittivity of a, of a coating is? And we've been doing a lot of, of testing in Germany. So we're spraying out panels on cutouts from bumper covers. And you have to do different bumper covers because they're all a little bit, the thickness is different sure. and so forth. So that then gets tested. And that's fascinating because, you know, so, so essentially you're talking about different levels of performance based on the color of the vehicle. Yes. That, that's just wild to me to think about. And so if, if I'm an OEM, is my coating thickness going to be different for a black, a straight black bumper cover versus a heavy silver metallic bumper cover? It may be, but, but that's part of the technology that goes into paint today. Because when we talk permittivity, black has almost no impact. Silvers, really high silver metallics, may have a lot of impact, but it depends on what metallics are used in it the size and the shape. Interesting. So it's it's not as simple as saying black is okay and silver is not. So GM silver may be different than Ford silver yes. and Nissan silver, right. for instance. And, and then the other thing we're doing is, and again, a lot of people have talked about three-stage and four-stage coatings. Well, it's not so much there's three-stage or four-stage, but we're talking about having a tinted sealer or tinted undercoat because the colors are more transparent the reason they're more transparent is to get that radar transmission, that permittivity. Mm -hmm. So if we have the right color undercoat, you put a transparent coating over it. Interesting. The color matches right, but it's a thinner coating. So you get the permittivity with the radar. Or if you don't use the proper undercoat color, you may have to put 10 coats of a color on. Oh, wow. You're building that film thickness. It may or may not match. And and now you, what you've done with the permittivity is, again, that, that sealer doesn't have any uh, metallics in it. Right. Well, all those co coats of base coat have a lot of metallic. Sure. So that's going to impact that tremendously. That's going to impact it tremendously. It's it's And that's where you start to talk about what's the repair procedure for this bumper. And so I'd imagine that would start to impact possibly your repair versus replace decisions yes. on some of these parts also, where, I mean, that's just crazy to think about that my decision might change based on the color of that panel right that's really interesting i'd imagine i mean some of it's probably based on the frequency levels of some of these sensors i yes. think you mentioned to me these newer generation sensors these gigahertz level sensors are much more finely tuned than yeah, previous. what we're finding is the higher frequencies are, are much more impacted than the lower frequency radars and again i'm not the expert on this but but those are some of the things that we're starting to see well it, it makes sense when you have you know shorter you know right more high frequency waves they're going to be reacting with whatever surface they're permeating through a lot more a lot more frequently right. than a longer lower frequency wave so that, i mean it totally makes sense so it, it's it's just not a simple bumper repair anymore <laughs> not to mention with that bumper repair it's probably going to need a calibration right yeah we're seeing that become much more commonplace right. you know I, th I think we're 
where we're at with calibrations is kind of back in the beginning of around 2017, 2018, where we were with diagnostics, where diagnostics were a small portion, you know, small portion of estimates had scans on them. Right. Now, every vehicle is getting a scan almost. So I think we're at that same stage with calibrations right now, because I think there's still a lot of unknowns around when do you calibrate? Does this require calibration? So I think that's something that we're going to see that really ramp up. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And, and, you know, you mentioned to me LIDAR as being another consideration. Right. And the way the reflectivity of different colors in terms of how the LIDAR interacts with those. Mm -hmm. So so talking about, I mean, that's got to be something that's really critical for manufacturers as they look to develop their autonomous driving right. strategies. And, and we've got a group at BASF that's working on this right now uh, with all the manufacturers because LIDAR does not see black. So, and, and we've got some demonstrations we've done where we can show with LIDAR, it runs right into a black object, but a white object goes right around. And it, it ties into that reflectivity of the, of, the, of the pigments. And we've done a lot of work internally because again, BSF has a pigment division. So we're looking at different types of pigments. What are some things that you can do to use a different black pigment, but still get the same colors? Because we all know black and white and silver, the, the number one, two, and three colors out there. Sure today and we're not going to get away from dark colors so we're looking at options to use either different pigments or again the other thing we've looked at is do you use a reflective sear and a transparent coating so that the lidar sees through the transparent coating and reflects off of the undercoat wow so again it's 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 becoming part of the safety of the, of the vehicle that's what it seems like. i mean it really does seem like this is and i think you mentioned in the beginning this is now a functional part of the car it doesn't just impact how pretty it is. Right. And and again, a lot of people look at these colors and why are you making colors so difficult today? Yeah, the designers are getting involved in that and do some of that, but a lot of it has to come back to that, that functional part of it. Like I said, the transparent colors, they, they give you a different look, but they are also giving you some safety features. And, and that's why, again, when we talk about this, and I talk to shops a lot, why is this a four-stage color now? It's not four-stage. It's a tinted sealer, and then it's a three-stage over, the, over mm -hmm. the top of that, maybe. Or it's a base clear with a tinted sealer under sure. it. But, but that tinted sealer is how you get the right color. Right. And, and if you don't use that tinted sealer, you will never match the color. So do you think we're going to see manufacturers moving away from three-stage paint applications? I know when we look at our data, we've actually seen... I mean, going back to you know five years ago, we can see every single year a higher percentage of paint codes that come through our system are identified as a three stage. Do you think we're going to start to see that reverse itself a little bit? No, no. I, I think the three stage is here to stay, and four stage is probably the next thing you're going to be talking about. You see increasing because it gives you a different depth on sure. the color, and, and the designers at, at the automakers love these colors. How big of a role does weight play in coating application? At the refinish level, it doesn't. Okay. You know, at the at the manufacturer's level, I'm sure it does, because everyone's trying to lightweight their vehicles. Right. Um, but but I'm not really involved there, so sure. can't really give you much of an answer. Oh, that's okay. I just know you know so many of the conversations we have in the industry are around lightweighting right. vehicles, and I would imagine you know, as you add more and more coatings. Yeah, I mean it's going to increase it's the weight. It's thin, but it adds weight. It does. 
It does. Absolutely. Um, so do you think, you know, we're looking at the kind of, you know, spray equipment, the kind of technology being used in terms of formulation of paints. Do you think we're going to be moving to, you know, continue to move towards more waterborne applications in the next five to 10 years throughout the, the ecosystem of refinish? Or do you think we're still going to be having, you know, pretty heavily solvent based clear coats and things of that nature? I think you're going to be moving towards more environmentally friendly coatings. I don't know that they will all be waterborne. Uh, there's a lot of UV technology out there today. And, and with the UV technology, it's a 100% solid product. So there's no solvent in it. Mm. it. It's dried with UV light. So again, it's, it's better for the environment, just like a waterborne would be. Sure. But it may offer some additional benefit for in, in collision repair. So I think, you know, it's safe to say is as a whole, the refinish industry is really advancing in technology right along with the rest yes. of the automotive industry. I mean, it seems like, you know, it gets all the presses, all the ADAS and the sensors and self-driving. But gosh, I mean, it really seems like the the paint side of it is on the cutting edge and, and really kind of part and parcel of where these vehicles are headed. It, it is. It's really tied to that, to that future. And the thing is, if you look a little deeper even at the auto companies or or anywhere in any company one of the things you hear about is sustainability and although that may not be top of mind today it's still very high within the objectives of every auto company out there and every major corporation like bsf we're looking at what are those sustainable products and and that's part of what's driving paint technology too and it's driving automotive technology you know, we're, we're looking for how do we develop those sustainable products and legislation will have something to do with that. Sure. You know, there was a lot of legislation 10 years ago and it, it kind of slowed up. It'll come back. Of course. And and we see that today in Europe and we see sustainability is, is a a big factor. Everything that's done in Europe today from, from choosing your vehicle to choosing the paint you put on that vehicle to how it's repaired and oh absolutely it'll come this way yep europe is usually kind of a harbinger for those kind of environmental right. pathways i know you know their their recycling industry is very very strict right. and you know they have you know produced very little waste because so much of it is recycled it's such an important part of their their government initiatives correct so so again we watch those things and and we know it's coming we just don't know when absolutely well, Jeff, I just want to say thank you so much for spending time today. It's great great to see you again. Great to do one of these face-to-face -face here at CIC. And I'm sure that we're going to be, hopefully people listen to this and just have a, a little bit of a better appreciation for the complexity of the refinished side of the industry. And I think there's going to be a lot of cool stuff that we're going to be watching from you guys in the future. No, I thank you. And it was great seeing you again. I mean, it's, it's great being out seeing people. Yes. Uh, but but thanks for the opportunity. This has this been a lot of fun. My pleasure. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for joining our Collision Podcast. Be sure to tune in to future episodes. You can also find related industry articles and information on our website.